You are listening to Africa Rights Talk, a Center for Human Rights podcast series hosted by Tatenda Musinahama. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome to yet again another episode of Africa Rights Talk, the Center for Human Rights podcast series with me, Tatiana Msinahama. In this episode, we are going to have quite an interesting discussion in relation to the African Disability Rights Protocol. I have with me two gentlemen from the HRDA program, which stands for the Human Rights and Democratization Program, which is a master's degree offered by the Center for Human Rights. They're here today as part of a campaign to ensure that the African Disability Rights Protocol has been or will be ratified by African states. So just a brief background on what the protocol to the African Charter on Human and People's Rights on the Rights of Persons with Disability in Africa is. So it was basically adopted in January 2018 by the African Union Heads of States and the African Disability Protocol is the culmination of the African Union's effort to create a framework to safeguard the human rights of persons with disabilities on the continent. Before I bore you with a lot of history and a lot of talk of uh, what this is, I think I'll just ask um, these gentlemen to please introduce themselves. Greetings, my name is Farouk Adedouin, a current LLM student in human rights and democratization in Africa at the Center for Human Rights, Faculty of Law, University of Pretoria. And hello, my name is Reda, I'm from Morocco. I'm also a student at the HRDA program, the Winam M-File, and we are glad to be here to speak about the African protocol and why states need to ratify it. Can you just give the listeners a brief background of why this is part of your efforts to ratify the protocol? There are quite a number of protocols that you could have chosen, a different number of campaign activities you would have chosen. But what part of the center's initiatives drove you towards uh, working on this project? Um, To start with, it is noteworthy that in the African continent today, to an extent, disability rights are somewhat um, not recognized to a large extent as it ought to be recognized by member states of the African Union, institutions and individuals in our respective communities. And um, before now, there used to be, and currently there is, the African Charter on Human and People's Rights, which accordingly provides for um, the rights of persons, the rights of individuals, peoples, in a sense. But however, the very African Charter on Human and Peoples' Rights has not made so much inroads on disability rights. For instance, there is Article 2, which calls or speaks against discrimination. There is Article 3, which equally so requests for the equality of all before the law. There is only Article 18, sub 3, which recognizes women's rights, kids and the family home and um, to an extent minorities as such. So in effect, you see the very um, parents' human rights treaty or instrument is in itself not so much so speaking on this right as at the time it was ratified. But however, the very African Charter on Human and People's Rights hearing in um, Article 66 
has requested or provided the mandate that there can be supplementary protocols to be ad adopted to give efficacy to the recognition of a number of progressive rights. So in this regard, that is why after a number of initial resolutions put forward by the African Union bodies um, in 2018, January, as you did rightly mention, um, the African Union adopted this very African um, Disability Rights Protocol. And uh, to add on what my colleague said, uh, the idea of the campaign emerged from the observation we've made about the, the right or of people in Africa. And we've noticed that the right of people with disability is relegated to a second or third uh, margin. So that's why there is a need to highlight the right of those peoples. So disability rights is also human rights. So that's why we would like to emphasize on what the African protocol is bringing, highlight the provisions and the added value, since we we will be talking at a later stage about the difference between the African protocol and the SRPD, the international one. So there is a need to uh, uh, protect and promote the right of people with disability and highlight their needs, their challenges, and also bring those issues at the table so that we can address them and also call on all Af actors to support in this mission, whether it will be states, civil society organization, individuals, and evil practitioners, so that they can join us in this global effort. So there might be a number of listeners that you know are not aware of the existence of the, um, the protocol on the rights of persons with disabilities in Africa. You know, so I'd like you to briefly tell us about the content of this charter and what its cardinal principles are. It is noteworthy that um, the protocol on the rights of persons with disability in Africa is one of a kind. And why am I saying it is one of a kind? It is so because this very protocol um, takes after the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability, but it makes a number of inroads or, um, or it closes the lacunas left out by the very um, UNCRPD. It's more like a panacea, it's a solution. It deals with a number of Afrocentric problems African concerns, and it is progressive. It deals with a number of modern day issues. For instance, it is alleged in a number of um, news media reports from time to time that there are some um, allegations of um, wrongful and harmful practices perpetrated against persons living with albinism in certain African countries. So this very instrument serves as a tool, a guide for some of our African states to have measures that they would be able to take appropriate measures and legislative and national policies to combat these very harmful practices against different groups of people. Equally so, it's one of the very few instruments in the world today that recognizes the rights of youths in Africa. It recognizes the rights of women living with disability in Africa. It recognizes the rights of children with disability in Africa. It also points to the need or significance for the relevant scientific 
equipment to be provided for persons living with disability as a means of aid so that life would be made easy for one and all. So these are some of the inroads and um, introductory viewpoints of the peculiarity of this African Disability Rights Protocol of 2018. I'd like to direct this question to you, Redo, right? I'd like to know, it seems that the content is the same as those provided for in the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. So why should African countries be bound by the same commitments twice? What is the added value of the protocol? Uh, as you said, the African protocol was adopted in 2018, which means that 10 years after the CRPD. And it included provisions that were not in the international uh, instrument, which means that there is some lacunas that were addressed and some African issues that were also addressed in this protocol. We can refer, for example, the issue of people with albinism, which is uh, observable across the country, uh, across the continent, sorry. So those kind of issues are Africans and they need African solutions to them. And uh, that's why uh, African states need to comply with uh, those obligations to protect those people. And uh, the protocol is also bringing some new uh, provisions to uh, protect the right of people with disability. For example, people who are living in situation of risk, whether it would be wars, it would be, for example, pandemics. So those, those new uh, advancement or development in our uh, life were kindly addressed in the protocol. So this is why we emphasize on the need of ratify ratifying the African protocol and why states should, whether they are complying with the international one, they have also to comply with the African one, which is more uh, realistic and addressing the, look, the issues that are observable at the ground. So would it be correct then, based on your responses, to assume or assert that the African Disability Rights Protocol speaks to the cultural relativism um, of what's required from, you know, in terms of like protecting the rights of persons with disability in Africa. Um, if I, I stand to be corrected, but some of the reasons why persons with albinism are most vulnerable is because of practices of witchcraft, which might be unique to Africa, but not um, common in other parts of the world. So would you say that the African Disability Rights Protocol caters to those different aspects of cultural relativism? Yes, it does significantly so. It caters for issues bordering on cultural relativism. And um, in effect, yes, the protocol in itself encapsulates some of these harmful practices and wrongful actions perpetrated by societies across the continent. It could be witchcraft, it could be dereliction, amongst other things. It could be kidnapping. So the protocol speaks against these issues. Mind you, it is to note that issues of witchcraft does not only center alone in the continent, it is something globally in effect. So, but that notwithstanding, it is that very instrument that speaks out. It calls these things out by their names that we must ensure we take inroads to combat these excesses in our society. Mm -hmm. Thank you.
So moving on to the next question, we find that at regional level, some provisions contained in treaties and resolutions of the African Union are related to the rights of persons with disabilities, such as the African Charter, the Maputo Protocol, uh, to mention a few. So what justifies the adoption of a new legal instrument on the same issue when we have not fully complied with existing instruments? Would this not result in duplication of mandates? And while we're on this question, I think it makes me wonder um, how states cope as far as state reporting goes. So perhaps you could also try and address um, that question from those two perspectives. Um, yes, it's a very good concern with reference to the issue of um, duplicity in action for states, individuals, and the con in the continent globally. Um, in that regard, um, our response would be that no, it doesn't um, give any effect of duplicity because, like I said, it's peculiar. It's one of a kind. It's on its own. And um, in this regard, when it provides for equality, it speaks for equality in certain respects that this is how persons living with disability ought to be treated. We are one. It speaks on issues of ableism, in effect. And additionally, like I mentioned earlier about its legitimacy, even at law, its legality, Article 66 of the African Charter on Human and People's Rights requires that there is a need for supplementary protocols to be implemented or adopted. So this is one such instrument because there was a gap in the law in the African regime. So pursuant to the Article 66, which is the enabling provision, it gave birth to this very um, illustrious instrument, which is the disability, African Disability Rights Protocol. So on its own, it is one of a kind and there is no duplicity. And significantly, as rights practitioners and activists, the need for calling on the ratification of this instrument is significantly so because by having this instrument being in force, we would be able to channel our energies in bringing actions where there are violations against persons with disabilities on respective grounds provided for by this instrument. So it would, in effect, enrich the jurisprudence of the respective African Union bodies, be it the ACERWC, be it the African Commission on Human and People's Rights, be it even the African Court on Human and People's Rights, and extensively, as a matter of maybe persuasive um, um, authority, maybe before the ICJ, amongst other world tribunals. So there is no duplicity. We are here encouraging states to ratify the African Disability Rights Protocol, but as it stands today, how many um, countries have ratified the protocol and how many ratifications does it need for it to enter into force? Mm. Uh, as of uh, May 2022, we have only three states that ratified the protocol that are Mali, Rwanda and Kenya and 11 others have signed. And uh, Article 38 of the protocol provides that 15 states are needed to make the protocol to enter into force. So which means that we are way behind to uh, have the, the protocol into force. And if we uh, rely on the, the process of ratification, it will take years before it will enter into force because the, 
the protocol was adopted in 2018 and in four years we only have three states. So if we, we follow the same pace, it will take decades before it will be entered into force. And there is an urgency to, uh, to uh, address the need of the people with disability and address also their issues and their challenges. That's why we are calling on states to speed up the process and uh, sign and ratify as soon as possible. Uh, as an additional question, why would you think, uh, based on your observations and your studies, why do you think there's this um, reluctance to ratify the African Disability Rights Protocol? Because sometimes I think we need to also address the root causes of why. There might be willingness from the parts of states to actually ratify, but um, when it comes to the implementation and execution of those efforts or um, the political will, it might be a different story altogether. So would you be able to uh, say these are the reasons why states haven't ratified and they need to address um, it in such a way? Because there are civil society organizations and other relevant stakeholders that might be listening in on this um, conversation that will definitely, you know, um, add on to the knowledge and push, you know, the ratification of this um, protocol. So what would you think are the reasons why um, states are not ratifying? Yeah. Right question, actually. We can highlight three main reasons why states do not ratify or are reluctant on ratifying. The first one would be the administrative or legislative process within the country. It will be taking time to raise this uh, point in, in, within the country and to have this matter brought before the legislation and also brought before the, the executive. And the second reason would be the question of priorities. Some uh, states have other priorities other than ratifying the protocol on people with disability and they have other obligations to fulfill that they have, they perceive that are more urgent and more, uh, uh, more in need to do actions toward it uh, in comparison to the African protocol. And the third reason would be with regards to the COVID pandemic, which made states shift their attention to other issues and to other uh, uh, subjects to have uh, more uh, resources allocated to those issues, for example, uh, the employment of youth, uh, strengthening the, the infrastructure, would it, be, would it be the health infrastructure or the, uh, the capacity of state to overcome the issues that faced during the pandemic. So that's why it makes states reluctant on ratifying. And that's why we, we, um, we hope that states will take this into consideration because also people with disability are uh, worried about their own situation, about how states can help them uh, assist in their daily life and how they can uh, equip them with the tools and necessary material to move forward and to access whether education, access work, access also to uh, different uh, services. So this is also an urgent matter. That's why we are bringing this uh, subject on the, on the table so, so that we can make our message heard to uh, all, all African states. Can I play the devil's advocate? Um, does the lack of ratification of the African Disability Rights Protocol in various African states 
mean that the rights of persons with disabilities are not being observed. You might have other states coming in and arguing and saying, okay, we might not have necessarily ratified this protocol, but we have other ministries, like um, I can think off the top of my head, you can have the Department of Social Welfare, the Ministry of Social Welfare, and all of that, saying, okay, but we are catering to the needs of persons with disabilities, so what more do you need from us? So what would, you, what would be your response as far as that is concerned? Um, in response... Um, in effect, I'd like to say that, um, like he did play the devil's advocate, yes, to a certain extent, the rights of persons with disability in every African country has been regarded one way or another. For instance, in Togo, they have the um, a ministry on disability rights. They have, um, for instance, in Sierra Leone, you have the social welfare ministry. Um, in Sierra Leone as well, you have the Disability Act of um, 2005 or thereabout, um, which provides for persons with disabilities in Sierra Leone. And um, amongst other countries across the continent with um, national legislations, on this um, respect. So in effect, not at all that the rights of persons with disabilities have not been regarded. No, they have been regarded in Africa, but not to a large extent. And at the same time, this current instrument is in, in, is in itself, um, it's, it's an addition to the very standards we have across the continent. It recognizes for the rights to political participation of persons with disabilities across the continent, amongst others. So like we did um, earlier on pointed out, it comes to make additional provision to the standards we have around the continent. Mm -hmm. and, and the other thing is that the protocol creates a kind of continental standard that would be perceived at the regional level so that we not have in kind of disparities between a country and another one. For example, I imagine that for some countries they have sign language in TVs that are accessible for people with disability, but other ones they do not. Although they have their own legislation, they have their own laws about people with disability. So which means that the protocol is trying to uh, solidify the, the achievement made, but at the same time creating an African standard to address all those issues. I think you've heard it for yourselves. It's very important to ratify the African Disability Rights Protocol. If your country hasn't ratified this protocol, I'd encourage you and urge you to just find out, you know, if whether or not your country has ratified and make efforts wherever you are to make sure that um, the African Disability Rights Protocol has been ratified. Moving on. So most of the rights contained in this protocol are second generation rights, which are called also called socioeconomic rights. The realization of these rights implies consequent means that must be put on the states, in particular on accessible infrastructure. Is this not the reason for the resistance of African states that do not want to be bound by rights of play? In response, um, every African state has a duty provided for by law to protect for persons' rights, especially so Article 1 of the African Charter on Human and People's Rights. It gives states the duty and obligation to recognize and protect a number of human rights 
and equally a number of other um, international treaties mandates member states to recognize the rights of persons. So as such, the disability rights protocol in effect, if states um, attempt at saying, oh no, they would want to for now not prioritize um, the protocol, um, that would amount to a large extent to discrimination which by law should not be perpetrated against anyone under no grounds, especially so negative discrimination. So there is the need to make buildings accessible and provide for other accessibility materials and accessories. So there is no excuse when it comes to recognizing the rights of persons living with disability in Africa and anywhere in the world. Because disability can stem from a number of ways. It can be at birth, it can even stem from accidents, it can, can stem from a number of other circumstances. So there is the need for every state to protect persons' rights living with disability. Because today, one can be fine, but tomorrow you may get yourself involved in an accident, amongst other things. Would that be the only time states would want to consider that, oh, because it involves my daughter or my um, spouse or something, that would be the, the point I, um, I should recognize the rights of persons living with disability or involves my son? No. Every human being is born free and equal and should be treated equally. Equally, so Article 1 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights provides for this as a matter of customary international law. So, states should not take out any form of discriminatory measures. They must, in effect, provide and recognize these particular um, rights laid down in this protocol. And as we're about to wrap up this conversation, um what is your message to African decision makers in relation to the subject of your advocacy, which is to ratify the African Disability Rights Protocol? Uh, by virtue of our campaign and uh, of this opportunity to speak uh, on behalf of all people with disability, we would like to call on all decision makers, whether it is the government agencies, uh, member of parliament, national human rights organization and institution to provide the technical and the advisory support to assist the people uh, in such situ situation and also assist state in uh, speeding up the process of ratification and implementation and also reporting the progress made in, in that regard. And we also call upon state to establish some national mechanism that you can uh, follow up and can involve all people with disability to uh, participate and uh, include them in the policy making and uh, and all sorts of uh, public affair uh, questions that needs also their input to address this, the, the issues or challenges they are confronted with. And we also uh, call upon state mainly to ratify the, the protocol, which is uh, why we are here and why we are struggling to uh, uh, support people with disability in achieving uh, their rights, actually, and also to uh, promote and preserve their um, advancement made in that regard and also pave the way for new waves 
of uh, involving them in the in our society and including them in our uh, daily life whether for example it can be uh, to enter the parliament and enter into the public affairs scene so that we can hear the voice uh, more clearly and more frequently in the upcoming years all right so as we've um, you know had quite an interesting conversation i encourage you to think about your position as far as um, ratifying the african disability rights protocol is concerned um, yeah, but uh, just to give our concluding remarks uh, before we sign off. I am Farouk Sulaiman Taiwaridwin once again. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you all for listening to our podcast and we hope that this message will motivate people to join our campaign and also respectively all people across Africa will um, take the effort to call on their states to join us and also call on their states to ratify the protocol and also move forward in uh, protecting the rights of people with disability. Thank you. This has been Africa Rights Talk with me, Tatenda Musina Hamai. Join us in our other episodes as we continue to explore other human rights issues. <laughs>